This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu. That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushduni. Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushduni. Published by Calcedon Ross House Books. P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushduni. Chapter 38. Nothing is good of itself. I am fond of proverbs, and various peoples of the world have made their contributions to folk wisdom. But some proverbs are wrong. They represent a humanistic rather than a biblical faith. One of these is, murder will out. But many murders go unsolved. Many are not even investigated. I once performed a funeral for a man whose skull was shattered and soft to the touch, but the official report read that he was officially dead due to natural causes. Murder will out only in God's supreme court. In a fallen world, too often murder goes unpunished. The world is fallen, but it pretends to be good, and nature is seen as normative and a valid source for moral standards. This argument, that nature is normative and good, leads straight to the Marquis de Sade. This is an argument which is used in other than Sadean circles. It is used, with variations, by both church and state. The modern humanistic state sees itself as the order for law and morality and their source. The state is judge and prosecutor, the final authority, and naturally good if it conforms to the reigning ideology, so that the Marxist state sees itself as good, the democratic state is sure that it is good, and so on. Each form of the state confesses itself to be justice incarnate, or in the process of becoming so. It will not confess itself to be fallen, apostate, and under the judgment of God. The state sees itself as the form of the good in man's life. The church has similar delusions. It is good because it calls itself Christ's church. Our Lord, however, in Revelation 2, 1-3.22, has some harsh things to say about some of the churches, very early churches, and he calls one the synagogue of Satan from Revelation 2.9. We would have to say that the element in the Smyrna church was probably far better than many churches today who believe that the odour they reek of is sanctity. To cite an example of the abomination common to many churches, I have a letter received yesterday from a young woman I met about 30 years ago when we were both younger. A godly daughter of very godly parents, her husband from a prominent family in that city, left her to travel across the country with another man's wife. He left her a few months later to live with another woman. A few months later he married with a Mexican divorce a school teacher. A friend who visited him found that a drunken sex orgy was underway with all naked. The school teacher wife was mounted by one man with others waiting their turn and the husband and others were busy with other women. A lawyer advised the original and godly wife to get a divorce since her state did not recognise Mexican divorces 
and consequently she could lose her hard-earned house. The home church did not condemn the husband, but the wife. She was expected to sit by the window with the light on, praying for her husband to return. The very prominent, nationally known and published pastor told her to leave the church. They wanted no divorced women. Moreover, he said, she was probably guilty and drove him into sin by keeping her legs crossed. This outrageous and insulting lie came from a pastor who died later in the sickly odour of sanctity. All this happened 30 years ago. Since then, the ex-husband has twice eluded warrants for his arrest for swindling ageing widows of large sums of money. His ex-wife is still abused by the church for her part, but nothing is said about the man. Is this unusual? No, it is routine from coast to coast in Protestant and Catholic circles. Is the church good? Not because it is a church, but only when it is faithful to Christ. The church in itself is no better than a Buddhist temple or a Muslim mosque and worse when it blasphemes the name of Christ. The state in itself is a band of robbers, as Augustine said long ago. More recently, Philip M. Stern documented this fact in The Best Congress Money Can Buy, 1988. A woman is not good if she be a whore, nor is man good if he is a whoremonger. God did not create church and state as good in themselves, but only in him and his son, the ordained king, from 1 Timothy 6.15. Our Lord tells a ruler, quote, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is, God, end quote, from Luke 18.19 and Matthew 19.17. If the ruler had recognised him as God's Messiah and incarnate son, then the title would have been acceptable. There is no goodness or virtue floating around in nature. It is an attribute of God, a communicable attribute, which we can share only when we live as our Lord requires of us, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. From Matthew 4.4 4. Because as his redeemed people, we find in his law word our way of life. We are then good in our direction while not perfectly sanctified in this life. In spite of all Phariseeism, our lives are a confession of sorts, an open confession to Almighty God, for we are told, quote, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. End quote. From Hebrews 4.13 our lives are an open confession to God. There is not a corner in the universe where we can hide from him or conceal our being. From Psalm 139.7-12 It is the epitome of futility to lie to God, although many in and out of the church do so regularly. A man's life is also unwittingly confessional in due time, even though men may be unwilling or at times unable yet to see it, for... By their fruits you shall know them. From Matthew 7.20 According to Proverbs 28.13 He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. This verse is related to Psalm 32.5 Quote I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. 
End quote. We began by calling attention to the fact that neither church nor state is of itself good, nor is any man. The same applies to confession. In some church circles, it is assumed that confession of itself requires forgiveness and restoration. This means reducing the biblical meaning of confession to empty words. When Saul disobeyed God with respect to Amalek, he confessed his sin when confronted by Samuel, in 1 Samuel 15, 1-35. Saul's verbal confession was a good one. Quote, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. End quote. From 1 Samuel 15, 24-25. Saul said that he had sinned. He wanted restoration, that I may worship the Lord. His reason for sinning was, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. He gave an excuse for sinning. David could have said that Bathsheba had inflamed him sexually by bathing where she could be seen naked in 2 Samuel 11.2. All that David said was, I have sinned against the Lord in 2 Samuel 12.13. He was ready to pay the price for his sins, death. But God told David through Nathan, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die, although death would strike his house from 2 Samuel 12:13-14 People are now casual about both sin and confession. An American proverb of some wisdom says, "Commit a sin thrice and you will think it allowable." This is easy acceptance of sin as a fact of life when it is a fact of death is very pre- prevalent. Another American proverb says, "A sin concealed needs two forgivings because the concealing is itself a sin." In a generation given to despising God's law and either concealing sin or treating it as nothing, the time of forgiveness is being replaced with the necessity for judgment. This is the end of chapter 38. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.